Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. And we are going headlong into the finale, the series finale of the OC. In this summer that never ends. I feel like our summer is going to end right when the OC ends. Yeah, I mean, where we live, it's possible for there to be snow in that time. There, you know, we could recap the final episode, and it could snow that day. (laughs) The the end of summer and the beginning of fall. (laughs) It starts with snow. I mean, who knows what it's going to be like in two weeks? No one knows. Oh, I so hope that it stays summer for a long time, because people are going to go crazy if they can't go outside. (laughs) I mean, all this outdoor dining. I went to the park today to take a walk, and it was just, like, bumping. It was like a nightclub park. Oh, no. I mean, it wasn't. People were within their own groups, and no one was touching each other. But there were a lot of groups. I think if people are taking advantage of some of the warm weather, I wouldn't mind getting a little bit cooler. Yeah, it's been hot. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's been hot everywhere, which is a problem. <laughs> but it is summer. Yes, yeah. Uh, but it's been a bunch of heat waves everywhere. Uh, so we're not going to talk about how hot it is, because I'm sure if you've listened to anything in the past, any any online content, it's people complaining about the heat. So we're not going to do that. No, we're going to talk about the OC. And in the OC, they talk about climate change enough <laughs> in this specific episode. I mean, they, they, they mention its existence, which is good. Uh, it's... It really feels like, and we're going to get to when we get into the episode, that our our final episode is probably going to be more of an epilogue. Yeah, it feels like next episode will be the fallout of this episode. Yeah. And they'll just be like, hey, this is four months in the future. This is four years in the future. This is ten years in the future. I, th- I think probably maybe a year or maybe like... Six months. You don't think they're going to do flash forwards until after they graduate college? I don't. I, the only reason I don't think so is because it's very unclear what's happening with everybody. I think it would do a real misstep to this show. And to be honest, I don't remember the finale. Mm-hmm. But it would do a real misstep to the show if they did not show Ryan working as an architect. Grown-up Ryan. Fine house. Like, you know, fine. Nice middle-class house. Gets in his Jeep and drives to his architecture firm and does architecture. I think... Oh, man. Actually, that's that... It's weird because that's so close. Because I know the the um, uh, the the Newport group wasn't really an architecture firm, but it kind of was in the ways they treated it in some episodes. True, true. So that's very, actually, odd. Uh, no, I, f- I feel like a strong leaving is them going... Uh, off into the next stage of their life, which what, would be college. And what we do know from this episode, college is in six months. And it sounds like they're all going, or I mean, they're all like, it's not like they're trying to set up that they're all going to be doing something in those six months. Because in those six months, I mean, we don't know how pregnant Kirsten is. If there's anything we know from our personal life. It she, could be any amount. She could be way deep in there and just not notice. You know what? If you are a person who does not drink and does not pay attention to your periods, you can be five months pregnant and you might not know. Yeah, exactly. Until she gets um, <laughs> sick in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, as we saw in the last episode. So she could be any... I know they say like, oh, really early, but she could be any amount pregnant. Yeah, so it could be that they would do 
you know, a flashback to them all leaving, and they just have a baby that looks a little bit too old for where that baby should actually be. Like, that's not a newborn. That's like a four-month-old. It's a TV baby right there. Look at that baby's hair. <laughs> but hey, that is two episodes from now, and we still have to do this episode right now. Ooh. So let's do it, because this is the OC, season four, episode 14, The Shake-Up. The Shake-Up. By the way, the shake-up's an earthquake. And they tell us that immediately. Because <laughs> we see a whale and a shark in the Cohen's pool. Not a real not a real whale and a shark in the Cohen's pool. Also because the shark's a robot shark. They are inflated, and then they shake like a shake-up. Yeah, there's rumbles, and then it goes seven, two hours. It goes it so slowly. It reminded me of the end game thing where it goes five years. <laughs> You're like, oh, what's it gonna be? <laughs> you gonna jump? five years earlier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> just at the point. I already got the end. I don't know why you're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> They're just moving back in time. Back in time. Uh, so yes, yeah, so it is now 72 hours earlier, and in 72 hours, it's Taylor's birthday. Yeah, and we will be told repeatedly and sadly that she has never had a birthday party. Now, this scene does start by Summer saying, I'm not going to buy you lingerie. And I'm just really happy envisioning how this scene starts. Taylor. Because <laughs> like, you know what, Summer being like, Taylor, what do you feel like you need in your life right now? I mean, they've only really been close friends, like, since they've moved in together. Yeah. <laughs> they've been roommates. So... I can imagine that, and Taylor being Taylor is like, oh, <laughs> so I, I think maybe a gift for me might be a gift for Ryan. It's like, what? No. <laughs> so in 72 hours, Ryan and Summer have are going to be throwing a party for Taylor. Yes. Birth- her first birthday party ever. Her first birthday party, because her mom was trash. Garbage. And all Taylor would like, really, for her birthday is for Ryan to invite her to go to Berkeley with him. Yes. Which is like, okay. All right. Okay, cool. And then Summer's like, wait, you can go there? And Taylor's like, I applied to all the fancy schools. I got into every single fancy school before I started dating Ryan. Yeah, at least they applied this. That essentially, she came back from France, immediately applied to a whole bunch of schools. And she got into all of them. Yeah. Including Actually, the Sorbonne, no- which is where she started going. Yes. Uh... I don't know if it says she got got into all of them. I think I. Th- she, it is implied she got into all of them. It's implied, uh, but so you know, it's it's not creepy. But now, she does hang this whole thing on like how she's going to get Ryan to invite her on a very weird hook. And I'm just going to say that this entire episode hangs on a weird hook because Ryan, <laughs> like, will- you, like you nailed in the nail, but she had a little bit low down. So up and you're like, ooh, okay, give that a spin. Guess I'll use that. Because Ryan eventually also gets weird about Berkeley. And I just want to remind everyone that last season, Ryan dated Sadie for approximately seven days and was like, move to Berkeley with me. Yeah. We'll live on this commune. Yeah, it's... Now, was he damaged because of Sadie? Maybe. Has he learned from past experiences? Well, Why does this never come up? I would, I would say that, I would say that this might be a good transition of like, oh yeah, you know, he was, he has Sadie to do it, and she said no. Except for it will except become. That she said yes. Oh yeah. Oh, well, then she said no later. She's like, no, actually, we are. From, you need to go to college. We're we, from different worlds. We're from different worlds. <laughs> 
Which, which, considering how that is the ongoing theme of this show, it's so weird to have them to break up because Sadie. Maybe I guess that's supposed to be a fault on Sadie. Sadie truly did not believe that Ryan could understand where she was coming from. I think I think her thing was she didn't understand that she could. She I think she was worried that she couldn't understand where Ryan was going. Yeah, I think that was the way they wanted to put it. Anyway, Sadie's in the past. It would be cool if they had thrown back so, to that. Yeah, so. What I say is that I would say that, except for the fact that it will become very aware that Ryan becomes very aware <laughs> that, that that's what Taylor wants, and he's still gun shy, which is wild, which is interesting and feels like a step back in his arc. And yeah, you can write all the stuff of being like, oh, well, because of Marissa and all the things he went through. Nope, Marissa was never his true love. Yeah, he has regressed. And I'm like, but that's not a, it's, regression can be an interesting arc if you play into the arc of him regressing. And this doesn't feel like him regressing. It feels like him like, oh, but that's how Ryan always is. And we know it's not. We know it's not. Anyway. the hook that Taylor hangs this on, that weird hook that you found it, I, I, I don't know where to go with this hook thing. <laughs> it's Captain Hook. Taylor is a tailor about this. Yes. She thinks that she can so sneakily get in being being the whole, like, gang, the whole Berkeley thing. If she gets Ryan to say that he loves her. Now, let us not forget... We will find out in this episode. It has been a week since the last episode. These, these, so we're still in early March. Aaron, this is one week after Thanks, Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Was it Valentine's Day last episode? Was it not Valentine's Day last episode? Was it Valentine's... Okay, so... No, the case of the Franks. That was, that was Valentine's Day. That was Valentine's Day. Yeah. They've been dating for two months. Yeah. Not even. Not even two months, because they started dating right around Christmas, Christmas Eve. Yeah, and then they broke up for a week. Kind of. So let us not forget, these children have been a couple for six weeks. Yeah, and, like, I don't want to lay this on Taylor for, for like, being, like... She's allowed to be irrational. Yeah. But everyone else feeds into her. Yeah, everyone else is really treating Ryan... Except for Sandy. Mm-hmm. Everyone else really treats Ryan like... Oh, well, why can't you? Why why can't you just do it? Damaged child who's had very many relationships that have gone poorly. And, like, I'm just going to say I'm an adult. Yeah. I've had numerous, well, not numerous, I've had a small handful of adult relationships mm-hmm. that have been very long-lasting. Yeah. And I cannot think of a single one where they said, I love you, or I said it, after six weeks. Yeah, it's, it's like, weird. Like, even when I was that age. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the scene when we get to it, but Ryan has a scene where he actually makes some very good points. All right, uh, but this leads into a little bit more foreshadowing, which is where summer and <laughs> you're talking about earthquake weather. The newspaper says there's earthquake oh, weather. They keep, they keep they they pull this on for a little bit too long. Where like the seagulls on, they're just like, oh, they always say there's going to be the big ones, never the big one. Yeah, I just think it's never going to happen. I kind of wish it would. Just it go, it's just too it, long. The, again, they're hanging their hat on that <laughs> yeah. weird hook, and we don't need that hook. Their hook's gotten too long now. It's too long. It might be a noodle. I don't know. The hat sticks out too far from the wall. Where'd you find that hook? It's clotheslining people. It's a bad hook. It's a dangerous hook. It's a dangerous. <laughs> you, you gotta warn your kids about that hook. So maybe later the same morning, or maybe the next morning, it's unclear, Taylor surprises Ryan with coffee to thank him for throwing her a birthday party and also to noodle him into saying I love you. Yeah, Taylor has, Taylor's plan is 
I mean, it's a very Taylor plan. She's not very good at it because she's actually weirdly not good at being subtle. <laughs> no. So instead, she just like um, casually, as they're talking about the birthday party, brings up, well, it's so sad. It's all going to end in six months. And Ron's like, well, I mean, we'll see what happens in six months. He's like, oh, this croissant's really good. So because this scene has to exist in the constraints of a TV show, it makes Ryan seem like such an asshole. He walks over, takes two bites of croissant, and is like, I gotta do something nebulous. I know the only thing I have going on in my life is a job, and it's probably too early for me to go to this restaurant. Bye. But he's like, walking up, like, bye, bye. Like, it, it's because they need so they want they to have... him to leave. And they want to have a final end to that scene so they have a shot of Taylor staring sadly into the pool at the shark and whale i do appreciate that ryan tries to flirt with her in the scene and watching ryan flirt is like watching your dad flirt with your mom but i mean taylor really i mean taylor likes it and ryan knows how to flirt with taylor he knows exactly what taylor wants which is weirdly aggressive <laughs> like well i gotta have my way with you yes then that's what she wants she wants <laughs> <What's sighs> <some> good... <laughs> she wants some stuff speaking of weirdly aggressive Frank and Julie are canoodling in the kitchen of Neil's house. Let us never forget. This is Neil's house. Never forget. It's not. They'll only bring it up when it's important that uh, Julie's like, I have no idea how long I could stay in my ex-boyfriend's house, ex-fiance's house, canoodling with. With my new boy, my second new boyfriend since I broke up with Neil. Canoodling with a terrible man. Um so, so yeah, Frank's there. Caitlin kind of throws himself at him, mostly about the fact that he just does have a bag. <laughs> yeah, it's like a big, ugly, like gym slash like rail worker bag. It looks like it's like like dirt like and army? dust. Yeah, it looks like he threw it out of a train car at one point while he was riding them rails. Caitlin does not like that. She does not like the canoodling. She also does not like the fact that Frank is always in her house. Yeah. So she she throws some taunts at him, and this is the first sign that Frank is not bullet. Frank can't Frank can't fight back. He cannot roll with Caitlin's taunts. No, probably because because his insults would be a lot worse. They'd be mean. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Don't be mean." She's a child. I don't know. The th- I I don't know if it's just like Kevin Sorbo acts that way, but like there the scenes between Bullet and Caitlin never felt uncomfortable or weird. No, every scene Frank and Caitlin has, I feel like Frank is so close to just shouting at her. So Bullet reminds me of I, you might remember this when we were little. We mm-hmm. used to go camping yeah. in a tent trailer. And mom and dad slept on the bed on one end of the tent trailer, and you and Brian slept on the bed on the other end of the tent trailer, and I slept on the, like, kitchen table could fold into a bed. Yeah. And that's where I slept. And we would all go to bed, and then all of a sudden dad would be like, hey, good night, butthead. <laughs> <laughs> and then you guys would say good night, butthead, and everyone would giggle, and mom would be like, what is happening? People can hear us. Yeah. And that's what Caitlin and Bullet make me think yeah. of. <laughs> Frank is so stiff. How dare you call me butthead? <laughs> oh, oh, no. I mean, uh, I it's know. fine. No. I like it. Uh, the amount they linger on this bag makes me feel like you think they would, like, as they leave the scene, you make, makes me feel like you think we'd, like, learn what's in it. We don't. Just nope. Caitlin really focuses on that bag. 
Also, he leaves the bag when he goes to go to his job interview. And he just leaves it on the floor there. Which I don't love. You don't live there, Frank. Yeah, he Take he, your bag. He takes it off the counter, puts it on the floor next to the island, and that's where it's going to stay for the rest of the day. Yeah, like, he leaves the home he does not live in. <laughs> what is the bag? Like, <laughs> Is it his overnight bag? It's <laughs> <laughs> like his toothbrush and his undies. I don't know. I guess that could be everything he owns. <laughs> Uh, so now we're going to have to cut into what Kirsten's storyline will be, which I think is going to be the final... Kirsten's storyline. Yeah. And in a long line of Kirsten's storylines, it sucks. <laughs> she go- She goes to yoga. She meets Holly. What we'll learn is prenatal yoga. Holly is there. Mm-hmm. And I thought these were the same baby noopsies from a previous episode, no, but the- they're not. No, these are new, these are new mini noopsies, and they suck. So they have made a pact that just because they have babies grow- growing in them, they won't lose their figure. They seem, to- they seem to think they can work out the baby bump. And then they gesture at a perfectly normal, tiny pregnant woman. They're like, look at that whale. We won't be that. <laughs> Do what doing sort of bugs me. So this will lead into a whole thing where Kirsten's like, "Oh, I can't handle Newport." I'm like, "Kirsten, go talk to that woman in the corner." Yeah, she's normal. She seems like you don't have to talk to a 19 year old. You don't have to talk to the first person who talks to you. Like, I don't want to say Kirsten, you're bringing this on yourself, but we are repeatedly shown other people other she could pe- engage with. other people she could engage with. In her prenatal yoga class. There's clearly two women who are approximately the same age as her versus Holly. And just having a fine time. But Gertrude's like, I can't go over there. You approached me first, Holly. And you, you're you being paid by the, by the studio. And it seems to me that the point of this episode should not be that Newport sucks. It should be that 19-year-olds suck. Which is true. Yeah. Well, and one other person. Anyway, Holly calls her group of friends the Six Pack Pact. <laughs> what were they originally before? The, like, the, when they were the... The baby noopsies? The noopsie weds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Holly. Oh, Holly. <sighs> so, Summer and Ryan uh, have one of their great scenes. I don't know why. I love Summer and Ryan scenes. I like that Summer is going to pick Seth up from work, but she goes to visit Ryan first. Yeah, like I like, I like that their friendship just seems like a friendship. And like, the show doesn't have to prove anything to us. They're just like, yeah, they're friends. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the same way how I kind of wish that Seth and Marissa mm-hmm. had a friendship because instead of it was like, oh, well, the the girls are friends and the boys are friends, but never the twain shall meet well, unless if the they thing. are intertwining. Because of Seth's past, if they had made a Seth and Marissa friendship, they would have had to dedicate episode time to it building. Like, yeah. it couldn't build naturally. Yeah. And there's no way they're doing that. They have Bolivar and Johnny. Yeah, they they, have, they they can't show, like, a good relationship when they could just put Marissa in repeated bad relationships. Um, Kevin Voychuk is there. We can't show her bonding with Seth. <laughs> uh, <sighs> anyway, we learn here that apparently Seth and Summer are going to, like, some video art show that george is putting on mm-hmm. so it reminds me of the escar institute in calgary if you've ever been there they're all about art that means things yeah and their art is very cool but yeah. it's art that means things yeah so it's the figures oh i mean seth's going to art school and i'm i'm in the environment so this is the perfect mesh of the things we're doing and ryan is not convinced but he's very excited because he got taylor a great present he took all those poems that she translated and he got them bound into a book. Yeah, which and, means he spent some time trying to find those 
poems. Because he probably had to go on the internet, which was a thing in 2007. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he bound, and I wasn't getting it. For, I thought he just got her a book of French love poems. But no, he took the poems she translated and bound them into one book. So she literally has like... A book of her poems. A book of the poems. Yeah. Like, they've, they've probably never been bound that way before. And he, it, it just seems like a great gift. And um, this will be the first scene where someone's like, oh my god, that's so romantic. And he likes it in this scene. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But Summer does... Who's broadly a bit, hint. <laughs> broadly hint, but more subtly than Taylor, that, hey, maybe you should say you love her. And Ryan, Im- Ryan immediately figures out what she's doing. Like, oh no. Like, you're trying to convince me to say... <laughs> People are her. forcing me into things. <laughs> Ryan doesn't like that. Ryan will come to his own conclusions. And this is the same as something earlier where, where Caitlin and Frank kind of meet up and we get some ideas of... Well, and Frank's like, so you don't like me because of convict? And she's like, I love convicts. You're boring. Also, yeah, like, like I don't, I don't care you went to prison. I just know that it bugs you. Bullet went to prison. And, and I love Bullet. <laughs> yeah. You're just boring. Make me laugh. Do something. Do, do something. And the thing is, Frank can't do anything because Frank is boring. Frank is bo- Remember when Taylor asked him to say what he loved about Julie? And he said, she's pretty? Yeah. And I... Full wh- stop. Just, once again... They really treat it like, oh, well, that's the Atwood way. Ryan independently came up with the idea. Of the book. Yes. So. (laughs) Frank is just boring. Frank is just boring and maybe terrible. And this entire scene made me weirdly tense. And I don't know why. Well, he's like trying to be cool. But you can tell that he's like a step away from punching a 15-year-old. Yeah, well, because they punch that. There's times where he like leans forward and he's laughing like, (laughs) I'm going to punch this kid. And it's it's so it it's shot like a horror film. Is, is he just a bad actor? Who knows? And it's Kevin Sorbo. He pretty much just did Hercules and then a bunch of Christian films. And Hercules also likes to punch teenagers. Let's not forget. <laughs> so Caitlin kind of leaves with some parting jab, and then we learn why she was looking in that bag for so long. So Julie is a dummy. I'm just gonna. Hang, I'm gonna hang that hat on this scene. Julie's an idiot. Yeah, the fact that this took her at all because she walks into, finds the bag on the same part of the floor that's been in all day. I should also snoop in this bag. Well, no, it's already open. She picks up and it's open, which it was not before. It was not before, and you know, because you saw it, but but it's full of clown porn and. Clearly, Caitlin did yeah, that. Yeah, obviously, Caitlin did it. But it doesn't mean wonder what's in the bag. What'd she do with the stuff in the bag? <laughs> she just threw away his toothbrush and underwear. Yeah. <laughs> now he's going to have to buy a new toothbrush and underwear. No, yes, it's clown porn. Well, so now we have a short scene. Well, actually, way too long. <laughs> where Summer and Seth go to the art show. And yeah. it is a lot of very pretentious video art, which I know is some people's taste. And, and Seth's criticisms are mostly... Not nothing about the environment. Mostly just like the films aren't interesting, which might be from what we see of them. They're He's very, not wrong. they're very long still images of. I feel like that type of art, like long still images, or you know, mm-hmm. ones that make a point, are best when combined with like sound art and objects. Well, like it's supposed to be an immersive experience, and from what we can tell, these are just like. Things projected on a wall. Yeah, and they're all pretty much in the same room, which means they can't have any sound design. They're all visuals, and the visuals are pretty boring. It's from what from what Summer says, it sounds like there must be write-ups somewhere that explain what they are. 
But when you have to explain your art and that's the only thing that gives it value. Yeah, like, Seth isn't incorrect that that the film... This art sucks. Yeah, that the movies are bad as films. And this sort of leads into, I guess, or was his things kind of going to be... This episode. This episode, which is that he, you know... He and Summer are kind of butting heads over... Because Summer cares so much about the environment, and Seth thinks they're bad movies. (laughs) (laughs) And that means that Seth doesn't care about anything. Yeah. All right. So she challenges him to make his own... If he can make a better movie, make a better movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, So Sandy, uh, as always, he was hanging out with Spitzy. He loves Spitzy. He loves Spitzy. And if Kirsten hates Newport, which she does because she just met Holly... Yeah. Then maybe they should hang out with Spitzy and his wife. Yeah, he says maybe that'll give you some, uh, some you know, faith in humanity again. I like the fact that this scene began with Sandy Walkie and Kirsten staring into the distance because that's all they give her actress to do anymore. And it can mean so many different things. It yeah. can mean I think I'm pregnant. I think I have cancer. Seth didn't wash the dishes. <laughs> So Holly just, sucks. They just give her scenes of her staring off into the middle distance and like she's gotta do more. I, I think because they took away like the writer's like, oh, they took away her drinking. Now she just stares. stares. She has no other outlet for which is not usually recovery they teach you to rep- to like replace with like kind other of? routines. Yeah. I guess the routine she picked is staring into the middle <laughs> distance. Kirsten uh, you you're using alcohol as a crutch for your uh, the difficulties in your life. I suggest you. What are you doing? <laughs> you're this just is what at, I like. Just the distance. W- it's so soothing. Not the far distance. The middle distance. Just <laughs> the best distance by far. <laughs> I mean by middle. It's soothing for my eyes. It's <laughs> soothing for my spirit. Like the deer just like. <laughs> <laughs> at this at this, uh, at this rehab, they just look out of the field and just curse and staring at the distance. And they're like, I think she's fine. It's good for her. She seems to like this. So we'll let it stay. Uh, Ryan and Taylor are off at home and they're watching the original black and white. I mean, the original one of just one of the yeah. hunchback of Notre Dame's. And Taylor really really identifies with Quasimodo. Yeah. Yeah. Because he loves someone and that someone will not say I love you back. And Ryan keeps on being like, but the Archduke. Yeah, Ryan's Ryan's not getting the metaphor. She like she's like, no no, I'm Quasimodo and he's like, no, film. <laughs> no, it's a movie, Taylor. It's, a mo- it's not real Taylor, it's a movie. You're you're Taylor. That's a movie. T- Taylor, he lives in a bell tower. And the Archduke will kill him if he tries to have a life with Esmeralda. <laughs> She's like, like, ah, uh, no, metaphor. Um, so this is this feels like it's really where it clarifies, like, oh, they talk about they try to talk about like love stuff, and Ryan just freezes right up. Like, oh man, it's almost like that three episode spread where he kept changing what their problem was. Now, I feel like Ryan's problem is just that. He doesn't like to be manipulated, and he would just like to communicate the things he feels in the way he likes to communicate them, which might not be with the words he says. Yeah, and and Taylor... And we se- know this about Ryan. And, Taylor knows this. And Taylor knows about Ryan. It just feels so much like, like she's she's angry at the things about him are not the things that she, like... 
Like, we already went through this in the episode, the third Henri episode. That's, that's what I mean. Like, we had this three-episode spread where we went through these three different problems in their relationship. And it they never... They, they ended like the problem was that Taylor... Taylor was a stalker? Taylor, well, yeah, Taylor was too... Taylor loved love too much. Yeah, but, but in now this, once again, once once again, she, like it, it just proves that no one got over their problems. Taylor still relies way too heavily on one type of love language. And like I totally understand that the show would be boring if all of the couples were happy all the time. Yeah, but they're like I'm a fan of Taylor and Ryan. Yeah, is the show making me not a fan of Taylor and Ryan? Maybe. Well, so in that spread of the three episodes of the three problems, they had some interesting ones in there. The interesting ones in there uh, were like, oh, I can't even remember because they kept switching what their problem was. But there was definitely Ryan's love language is not language. Yes. Ryan's love language is acts of service. Yeah. Which kind of would be nice if they, if that was the, the, the accumulation of this was going to be, um, you, usually you can tell us where, where upset means it's not going to... Um, Accumulate, <laughs> not cu- cum- Yeah, th- this storyline is not going to end the way we want it to. <laughs> not in the way that they should in 2020, where we understand <laughs> love languages. Anyway, Ryan is suspicious of Taylor's nonsense, thanks to his conversation. Like, at the end, he's like, wait, we're not talking about the movie? <laughs> the movie. And this prompts Taylor to, to once again, cut and run. <laughs> So Taylor dramatically writes a letter to the head of admissions at Berkeley being like, please take your scholarship. My life is too dramatic for me to go there. She typed it up on a computer, printed it up, and signed it by hand. That's how you know it's dramatic. So she tells Summer all of this, and Summer's like, wait, 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 wait. Have you tried wine yet? (laughs) Yeah, have you you tried drugging him? Well, no, we'll see. No, we'll see what happens there. That's where they go. But before we do that, Seth is busy filming a weird video of the pool, which Sandy is watching. And then Ryan comes in after a nine to ten mile run. And Sandy's like, oh, my God. Why are none of my children talking to me? I love this shortcut because Sandy just instantly understands what's going going on. And it's great because he's like, I at this point, I got it. I got to handle things. Sandy, this season is just, I got to handle on things. Yeah, Sandy has no storyline of his own. Just awesomeness. So this is what we mentioned, that he is the one person probably in this series, in this cast of characters, who actually understands Ryan. It's like, Ryan, just tell her what you can, and that should hopefully be enough speak from your heart if you can't say i love you yet because you've been dating for six weeks and you might not love her yet he doesn't mention that and no one ever will mention how they've been dating for under two months but he does say you know if you're not ready to say it yet say what you feel and that will mean something yeah ryan does say in that scene he's like oh i'm you know he he says more about what he likes about her than frank does about and the things he likes about taylor do not include the word she's hot (laughs) He basically like like he likes he likes the way he feels when he's with her and he mm. likes that she intellectually stimulates him and Yep. Yep. And so Sandy grasping the situation is like, just tell her what you can. Maybe it's not the exact words, but if you guys but you guys should be able to get the feeling. And you know, if Taylor and Ryan ever actually talked about something to each other as opposed to everyone else in the world. <laughs> they might actually figure this out. But you know, that's how you do a drama show. Just you you gotta play with communication. So uh, Sandy is also very curious about Seth's weirdness. So Ryan goes out not to investigate, to go to his home. Yeah. But Seth shares his weirdness. He's making a pretentious art film. Yep. Six hours of floaties in a pool. 
Also, Taylor called, and Ryan needs to go for dinner at Taylor's house. This is the weirdest way of getting that information to Ryan for some reason. Why could Taylor <laughs> not call Ryan on his cell phone? Like, the the sequence that it goes through, because they're like, oh, we gotta get Ryan to know that he needs to go to Taylor's. I guess we have the scene where... <laughs> We'll put it into that scene. That scene where Seth's filming the pool. You know, I didn't even need Seth to tell me he was filming in the pool. I understood what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. But all right. But I mean, that scene doesn't exist for that. It exists so that Seth can tell Ryan that Taylor... I almost wanted to be like, oh, Summer called and she wanted me to tell you that Taylor wants you. Like, I also didn't need Ryan to be told he was going to Taylor's house for dinner. He could have just been there. He just appeared and we'd be like, we wouldn't be like, how did he know that he needed to come over? Like, Look, we nitpick a lot of things on this show. We're not going to nitpick that. Ex- expedin- ex- expediting storylines. A couple having a meal together? Impossible. What? How? If they didn't... Because well, everything we know on the show, if you plan it, it's not going to happen. So why would you tell us it was happening? Well, we'll get to there. But first, Julie has to confront Frank about that clown porn. Oh, and Very they- seriously. She very much believes it. <laughs> and, and all it takes is Frank being like... Come on. And she's like, oh, right. Yeah, I guess. Now, in a weird scene, I think Kevin Sorbo is trying to play genuine. Genuine. Mm -hmm. Frank genuinely says that he doesn't mind this punking because he knows what it's like to be hazed. And he just has to be cool and then Caitlin will like him. I can take it. It's not serious. Okay. I, I don't believe the words he says. <laughs> you know who else doesn't believe those things? Caitlin. Yeah, so he overhears and he's like, oh, well, I gotta turn I gotta it. prank him more. I gotta turn it up. Uh, so Seth shows his film of the floaties in the pool to Summer and she does not like it. Because it means nothing. And to be fair, yeah, he, he, he did it as a joke. He did six hours of floaties, beca- floaties because he just wanted to be like, look... Look, I, I made I made a crappy art film like those people there. Now I've I'm, seen some really, really I'm just saying I've seen some really, really good art films. And yes, me too. Yeah, like um the uh CSIF, uh the Archive Society of Independent Filmmakers, uh, I remember a couple years ago did um uh did some independent uh did some like art film stuff. I remember one and I think it's called like Cloudburst or something, and it was this really cool, like it was, it was all visuals. And the story being told over it was, like, of this society that learned to harvest, um, like, rabbit eyes that allowed them to create lenses that could allow them to, like, see the future. Oh, cool. And it was this really interesting, like, like talking about rabbits and talking about, like, like, like there's, this, like, this, this, like, without saying this implication that they eventually did it with themselves so that they could see uh, the future, but, it, like, destroyed their civilization. It's this, it's this cool thing. And it's ve- it was very weird, and all none of the visuals show that. All the visuals were of, like, clouds and, like, things moving. I think it was all found footage, mm-hmm. but it was really, really cool. Well, and I saw this one at the Esker Foundation, which was a woman who was from the indigenous peoples of Finland, I think. Mm-hmm. It was called, like, the Kurdi or something. Uh, you know what? No one quote me on this. I don't remember the exact name of the indigenous group. Or the country, but she is taking. She's wearing like um, like a native outfit, mm-hmm. um, an indigenous outfit, and she's walking through the snow and she's pulling like a traditional cl- cart behind her, and she walks into like the remains of a um, a uh, plant. Yeah, like probably probably like a nuclear plant, like some sort of like heavily mechanized plant, mm. and there is a. Um, 
a stuffed bear. Like, not not a teddy bear. Like, yeah. a stuffed bear. Yeah. And she, like, plugs in a, um, a, like, an electric coffee percolator. And she makes a cup of coffee or tea. And she, like, shares it with the bear. And she, like, makes faces at the bear. And then she packs it up and she moves on. And it's clearly a commentary of, like... Um, indigenous peoples meeting with like mm. you know this heavily industrialized world also no dialogue just like this one woman that feels probably that might be um russia or that area because bears are symbols of russia yeah it was definitely no or, or like former soviet union sites yeah. of like ukraine yeah, something or things like, like that. that um but it was really really cool so again you can do pretentious art films in interesting and cool ways well and the thing is like if they're done well they don't seem pretentious they just seem cool art here's the thing art films are really 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 hard to make mm-hmm. like you have to know what you're talking about yeah and the point that seth is making is a lot of those people were just doing things they thought looked cool and not saying anything and and i've said this a lot of times where like you can make things that are important and you make things you make things that are good and some things are important but not good and some things are good but they're not important but if you're if you want to make something that resonates with people it should try to be good and like if you want to make an art film that actually makes people want like remember it like you with that or me with cloudburst Mm -hmm. um which might not be the name, and I wish I could remember. I I didn't even see it at the festival. I saw because it, it was at the office, and it was just like on a laptop. Yeah, and they're like, "Do you want to watch this?" I'm like, "Sure, I'll watch this." Well, um, and like, I'm sure if I look back at my notes, I have the name of the peoples, and I have the yeah the name of the thing. And but... that, that may seem something we don't remember those things, but but just because you don't remember the title doesn't mean you don't remember what it made you feel like, and that's and... what matters. So Seth obviously did not care about what he was making. But I kind of feel like if Summer really was, like, in sync with him, she would understand what he was saying with what he did. Yeah, which is that he it, – it's weird. He What he made – and he does actually say it's a satire. Yeah. And he's not wrong. He satirized art films by making something that was pointless, which in a way is art. Like – like, it's weird to say, he was trying to say something. He was trying to say, these art films are crap. Which is not the thing Summer wanted him to say. But he did say something. <laughs> so, in a weird way. He did what she wanted, but that's not what she wanted. No. She wants to know that he is engaged with something. Yeah, that he, that he that he cares about something important. And then somehow this leads into him being like, you only need to follow Ryan around until he <laughs> punches someone. And then I guess that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What did you learn this week? This week, I learned about a thing I care a lot about. It's a topic that is important and near to dear, near and dear to my heart. It's Kaylin Cooper. Yeah. Okay. And also the ages <laughs> of things. Oh, okay. So, um, I sometimes will get recommended articles about the OC, like on my Facebook feed. I'll be like, hey, you care about 13 facts from the OC? <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe I do. Or they'll be like, oh, here is um like 37 TV characters who were replaced by something insane, someone insane. So there's still, to this day, a lot of like sass about the fact that Willa Holland played Caitlin. Yeah. So they'll be like, look, this is what Caitlin used to look like. And they show a picture of Shailen Woodley. And they're yeah. like, and then she looks like this. And they show a picture of Willa Holland. What? You aged this character five years in one year? And I'm like... 
I'm curious about this. People have a lot of sass about this, so I'm going to look some things up. Yeah. So I looked up the age of Willa Holland, and I looked up the age of Shailen Woodley. Willa Holland is like six months older than Shailen Woodley. <laughs> they did not replace the Caitlin actor with an older actress. I mean, technically they did. Those six months, Aaron. Oh, those six such months. a difference. No, it's They just... replaced her with a taller actress <laughs> who looks more like Marissa. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think Willa Holland was acting when the OC started. Because I would guarantee you, if they got an actor auditioning to play Caitlin who looked that much like Marissa, they may have cast her. Yeah, maybe. And Shailen Woodley was probably doing something else and not available to come back in season three. That's usually why they recast a role. Yeah. Will- Willa Holland, June 18th, 1991. Mm-hmm. Shailen Wood- Woodley, November 15th. <laughs> 1991. So not even six months. That's like four months. Yeah. 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 So I, I think it's just, it's just also that Will, Will Holland just looks older. Like even in these photos, I mean, to be fair, the photos are, which who knows where they're from. Um, but I don't know. I mean, she, just has, she has sharper features. So I think it just makes her look older. Yeah. She has more grown up features and she's so tall. Yes. So it's um, <laughs> something just like to get angry about things. People do like to get angry about things. Yeah. But let's be real. Willa Holland, she's a great Caitlin. Well, I mean, and not only that, like, so at that time, how old were they in the show? Because that was... They were they were playing 15-year-olds. Yeah. And they were, like, 14... Well, when the show started, it started in 2004. I mean, just think of how old I was, because uh, Shailene Woodley was born four days after me. Yeah. Same year. So in 2004... She was, like, 13. Yeah. So, I mean, also, they were just ki- They were, like, literally kids going through... Puberty? Puberty. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, really what it is, they just caught one person on one end and one person on yeah, the other. Yeah, like, really, the difference between a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old... Yeah. ...is a big difference. Can be a big difference. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so, so what I learned is they did not replace Shailen Woodley with an older actress, just a different actress. Yeah, I'm sure Shailen Woodley was off doing something else. I'm sure she was fine with it. So Kirsten and Sandy uh, come in to meet uh, Spitz's wife, uh, who, when he introduced her, I swear to God, I, I looked at her I twice. I thought she was going to be Holly. Well, uh, okay, no, I did I did actually was where I'm like, oh, it's, it's going to be like, it's Holly or something like that. I thought he called her Carrie Weather. Like, <laughs> and I, her I, name I, is Carrie. Her name is Carrie, but I don't know what he says afterwards. And I listened to it twice. I didn't turn on the subtitles. I don't understand things. I turn on the subtitles. But it sounds like he says Carrie Weather. <laughs> I want everyone to know who his wife Carrie is played by. It is Brie Blair, who, who you may know from such things as The Babysitter's Club. She played Stacy in the Babysitter's Club movie. Oh. Uh, in <laughs> in this episode, she is just another noopsie. Now, I'm confused by this because when we met Spitzy last, his wife called him to make sure he was having fun on his friend date. And there is no way this woman would call him to make sure he was having fr- fun on his friend date. Yeah, like, so the things that we learn about Carrie in these two scenes um, is, and I, the one thing I kind of want to say about the actress is that I don't think she plays this role very well. No. It really it really feels like it was going to do a poll reveal at one point, which is going to be like, oh, I thought you wanted people like that. Because she says the stuff so stilted. 
So she's on the phone. She's like, oh, my God, you ho-bag. Do your best. Or she's such a ho-bag. Do your best, bitch. And it turns so- out her friend <laughs> is having a fight with his with her boyfriend's wife. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. to be fair, is something Julie would do. So don't pass your judgment, Kirsten. Yeah. But <laughs> they also really pretend this, that Spitz is... Embarrassed su- by so her. So embarrassed by her. It, like... It does not feel like this is the woman who earlier on they both were like, yeah, our wives are great checking up on us. Yeah, it's it's a weird about face and it's they just wanted to pull the rug out from under Kirsten. Like, I don't know. Like, because so they're really going to set up all these things about like, oh, you know, we could leave we could leave Newport. We could do these things. Um, And like, I guess they wanted someone to. To, like, drag the knife in deeper. But, but why? You know you all, been... you, we already saw the Holly scene. Why do you need another scene where she gets, like, false hope? What would have been better is if she had gone to hang out with the nice woman yeah. from prenatal yoga. And it turns out that woman is also a total bitch. Yeah, like, if you want to do a section of false hope, it's weird to, to number one, retroactively change Spitzy's wife's Spitz, character. Spitzy's wife's character. And show that he is in a very, a relationship where, like... A they, loveless, unhappy relationship. Uh, he is, he, the actor is so, like, he is so embarrassed, like, he's so aware that she is very, very noopsy. Well, and she does this thing, like, they sail in for dinner, and she's like, all right, Sandy, how are we, how are we going to convince Spitz here to leave and go to, like, a real office? Oh and I'm God. like... But you know that Sandy <laughs> also works did there. that and then came back, so he's not the right. Yeah, we and apparently she's still a party girl. She like, she, she, I, I think she said she drank. She she drank while she was pregnant. She like she thought she found out she was pregnant because she was doing too many shots and thought she was hungover. Yeah, and then Kirsten says she actually knows she's an alcoholic, and she goes, "Oh, me too." Like they make her so. So unabashedly terrible. <laughs> like, worse than Taryn, worse than Holly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that made me make sense why she never met her before. She was outcast from those. She had to the baby crying in the restaurant. And then she and yells, yells at the person with the baby. Just and it, shut the baby up. It turns out it's her nanny and her baby. Yeah, it's... Why? Why is... Why is this storyline a storyline? <laughs> This just feels like another one of those where, like, oh, we got to make it seem ew. We're going to have another scene where we just drill it in even deeper. We already got there at table. Like, everything. You didn't need to do this scene because we've had four seasons of knowing. And, like, <laughs> it would be fine with us if Kirsten met Holly at prenatal yoga and that was her breaking point. Yeah, because <laughs> at that point she's like, oh, my God, I'm back into the. Yeah, I'm never going to escape. It's the cycle. Except for they did show us the nice people, and she's just not hanging out with the nice people. It's 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 bad. I know what they want to go for. They could have done it better. Also, it's too late in the series to do this. It's two more episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So while this is going on, another lovely couple is having dinner, and that couple is Taylor and Ryan. And Taylor is trying to get Ryan drunk on wine. And she tries to do it by putting on a wine tasting. <laughs> Yes. Just uh, for him. <laughs> just for him. Um, and he'll drink a sip and then she'll pour him like three more and then she'll be like, oh no, just keep drinking. He's like, I I don't like wine, Taylor. Can we point out that this is how bad the communication is? Ryan is like, hey, I would like to talk to you. And Taylor says, no. <laughs> if be- they would- because, because Taylor is so involved in her own plan 
that she can't see Ryan literally reaching out to say, like, he I want to give you what I can. Yeah, like, he could have, like, for all she knows, in that moment, he would have been like, do you want to go to Berkeley with me? But instead, she's like, no, 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 my plan is to First, go. you have to be drunk, then you can say it. Which, I, I'm, he's like, we, that, I know that sounds like we're criticizing it, we're not. I think that point makes very much sense for Taylor, because she does get tunnel vision. And now I, you guys know we love Taylor. <laughs> we love Taylor almost as much as I love Caitlyn. Yeah. But to be completely honest, Taylor is not ready to be in a relationship. Taylor needs to do a lot more work on Taylor first. Yeah, and they're really treating it like, no, Ryan has to do a lot more work to be in this relationship. But, but it's, it's weird to have a scene where she literally goes to, let's be clear, fake therapy. Mm. Uh, from someone who, <laughs> the, more I, not a who the more I think back to it, may not even be a doctor. Could just be the woman who was in that room. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> when Taylor She was entered. just sitting there. Someone else was supposed to be there. Yeah, she was just in the office and Taylor assumed that she was. That's why she always had to leave. She's like, I have to leave. I have another patient I have to go to. Then she goes around the corner and like just pulls a sandwich out of a garbage can. <laughs> like, ah, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so Taylor needs to do some work on Taylor, but we're not going to talk about that now. Instead, she's just going to get very, very drunk. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she made the mistake when you're trying to uh, loosen the lips and the uh, inhibitions of someone else, where you <laughs> do it to yourself first. And look, every girl ever has made this plan, which is like, "Okay, I like this boy. I'm going to throw a party. He's going to come to the party. I'm going to make sure he gets drunk. I also have to get drunk, but just a little bit drunk, so my inhibitions are low, but my." pride and my brain is high yeah my confidence is high social and, lubricant or and something. then he's naturally going to just know that he loves me this is the plan that every teenage girl makes except for ryan is i think also just stone sober ryan says that he can't get drunk because he's an atwood <laughs> i i wish i i think, I think it's true. true i think he has to drink a lot to get and don't know wine is very high alcohol content but we have never seen ryan drunk <laughs> So yeah, they they sort of do this, and Ryan kind of knows what's what's going on. Where like she's you know she's she, so cute, she's so drunk, she wants him to say that she loves him, then she pretends to fall asleep. Yeah, she passes out, and Ryan goes, "You're asleep. You're pretending to be asleep, so I'll say I love you." And that thing is like that is what that scene felt like it was going to be. Like she was going to fall asleep, then he was going to say "I love you" to her <laughs> unconscious form, and then he was going to leave, and music was going to play. Instead, Rod's like. Oh, no, I know this. I'm on a TV show. <laughs> Ryan continues to be genre savvy. So she admits that that's her plan. He was like, but I do love you. Yeah. So he does say there that he loves her. And then Taylor's like, yes, we can go to Berkeley together. <laughs> and then she passes out. And the letter was right. The acceptance. He turns around and the acceptance letter is like on her desk behind him. If he had ever paid attention. I guess she wasn't expecting for her to get so drunk and him to have to bring her upstairs. But they were just sitting out there. Because, like, we were talking about this. And this is not saying that they did it wrong. Because I think they did exactly what they wanted to do. Mm. It feels like the way this, like, everything was going, that the story should have ended with him telling her, like, his, the things he told to Sandy. Because Sandy gave such good advice. He tells the things that he does there. Mm -hmm. But instead, they're once again going to kind of shift what the problem is from one thing to another thing. And then Ryan... As we, we discussed this earlier, so we won't belabor it now, yeah. but he is spooked by the Berkeley admission, yeah. which makes no sense given the Sadie storyline, and if they were going to do it, then they need to refer back to the Sadie storyline. Yeah. 
Instead, he does make a few good points here. And one of the things he does say is that, like, it feels like we're going so too fast. And the show kind of sets up as like, oh, Ryan, what do you mean you're going too fast? It's true love. I'm like, it's six weeks. <laughs> but first, a scene where Frank runs up to Ryan's house because Frank also runs when he's stressed. And he tells Ryan that Ryan should also try running. And Ryan's like, <laughs> try being a father, Frank. Yeah, this this is a weird scene. He, like, asks her advice about Caitlin. And he and Ryan's advice is like, I don't know, man, just keep at it. And Frank's like, oh. Now, this is the second scene where um, Ryan talks about the gift that he got for Taylor. Yeah. And someone's like, ooh, how romantic. And he's like, it's not romantic. Well, because he just got a, a talk. normal gift. He just got a talk from Seth being like, well, if you want to pull it back, you have to think about what that present means. Because that present means romance. And so Ryan's going to have to think about the present. But he doesn't have that much time, Aaron. Oh, my God. It's the party. Taylor walks up to the party with uh, with Summer and is like, should I be surprised? And Summer's like, it's not a surprise party. With- and Taylor's like, I think it'll make Ryan happy. And she does pretend it's a surprise. And Sadie's confused. <laughs> Summer's like, it's a, a ta- whatever. It's Don't a ta- worry about it. I love how everybody has gotten a grasp on Taylor now. <laughs> <laughs> now this party is at Ryan's work. Yes. Because... I mean, that makes Ryan has access to it. He he's a he, very he probably good, booked it out. Well, he's also probably a very good worker. So he just asked his boss. Yeah, Ryan is very serious about work. And the same thing we know about Newport. If you work at a place, you can pretty much just use it for anything you yeah. want. That's what about the bait shop? Remember? Ah, oh, the bait shop. So then we're gonna get like a whole bunch of stuff here as these scenes sort of like come to a head. Uh, Sandy uh, is like noses cursed and staring off into the middle distance. And he's like, "Would you like to move?" I would love to move. I hate Newport. But then Kirsten's like, but this is our home. I want the boys to have a house to come back to at Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving. And it, a house to co- A house, Sandy. And it should be this house. She says it needs, it should be this house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I want, I want them to come back to this house. So that's going, that's kind of her dilemma, I guess. I guess the show is going to take care of that, though. Though it, it really, yeah, it really does seem, anyway. Anyway, um... Then it's time for presents. Yeah. Um, Seth gives Taylor a great nerd gift. Yep. Gives her a sword from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And which then... I love. God, I keep forgetting, but I love how much they, they have in common. Like, they have the It's so under... It's such an undercurrent to the relationship, their, like, friendship. But... But, I mean, when Seth went away, Taylor worked at the comic book store he owns. <laughs> which no one talks about enough. Yeah, that he definitely owns that comic book store. So, also, Ryan had a wild moment of panic, thanks to everyone telling him his gift was so romantic. I love that he's going to open his gift. And he says no there. Like, I think he figured out at that moment, like, this was a bad idea. Oh, no. Oh, no. He he definitely just went to the bookstore, because we know it's across the street. Yeah. And just bought her a dictionary. It's a dictionary that has more words than any other dictionary. It's got a lot of words in it. And, and it's he goes, red. Sandy, Sandy, the... Ever supportive was like, it's practical. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs words. Now, meanwhile, in a dumber storyline, here's the thing. We know what Caitlin's thinking and feeling, and she is correct. And then the show's like, maybe she goes too far? Well, not like that. It doesn't seem like a Caitlin plan. Apparently, So Julie goes into, I guess, the bathroom and then just sees a taped up, like, Frank's arrest report. 
Yeah, it's his mugshot and, like, with, what he did. With an arrow going to this, this man likes clown porn. I'm like, Caitlin, no one else gets the joke. Also, Caitlin is way smarter than this nonsense. <laughs> it's it's real weird how she decided to double down on that. Something, something that she did. Like, it's not even, like, a reference to... Like, maybe he made a passing reference to a clown or something. He tried to make a joke. No, she just randomly decided the funniest porn would be clown porn. At least she didn't pick gay porn. True. Um, The funniest thing to do is clown porn. And then she's going to double and then triple down on that being... Like, anyone else who finds that is like, okay, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know why it says this. I don't know why it says this. And I don't get the clown porn. Clearly someone wrote this onto the... What am I supposed to take from this? (laughs) So, yeah, Caitlin has gone pretty unsubtle. Now, while this is going on, Seth is busy filming everyone for his movie about Ryan, <laughs> and he accidentally slash on purpose films Summer talking to Kirsten about how Summer is so worried about Seth because he loves nothing. Yeah, he seems so lost. And then I had a moment where I'm like, hold on, it's February. It's February. Shouldn't Seth... Seth delayed his acceptance to his school so he could go at the same time as Summer when she got kicked out of Brown. Okay, I was trying to remember if I forgot about that or if he just didn't go. But he's still going. So, I mean, this is Summer's fault. The reason he has nothing going on is because he chose to stay for her. Also, he has his comic book store, which he loves. Yeah, it's weird they're doing like, oh, Seth, he, he's directional. He doesn't know what to do in life. I'm like, he, he's going to art school next like, year. He knows what he's doing. He's going to make comic books and love comic books. And the thing is that he's in a phase right now where he knows where he's going, he doesn't need like I don't he know what they, need to be engaged in. I don't right know now. what they. I don't know what they want from him. He he shows he loves summer. But like what? I don't know no, what they want from to him. To be fair, Kirsten is also kind of like he's fine. Yeah, like this. He'll is, be fine soon. Yeah, like I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, meanwhile, 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 and all so that. This is how the scene's gonna go. Julie goes to confront Caitlin, and Julie's like, how dare you embarrass me just, and Frank and Ryan? Yeah, Caitlin, they're, they're also just printed out on pieces of paper. Um, <laughs> though I think she hand-wrote all the... I think she did, too. Um, she's just taping them up around the... <laughs> it's... The fact that she's doing it at the party just shows, like, like there's never been a more obvious cry for attention. And so Caitlin, tired of crying for attention with her actions, decides to cry for attention with her words and says, Julie, I don't care that you date him. I told you you could date him. I care that he moved into our house. After a week. Mom, you can't keep adding people to our family. In the past year, everyone I love has abandoned us. Yeah, in from a stupid scene to a very, very... To finally them figuring out what they wanted to do with Caitlyn's storyline. I don't... Still don't understand the weird side story with, with Will. Will. That was unnecessary. Because the rest of it was kind of there all along. Yeah, there was... Except for the Will thing. Yeah, and there was iffy stuff at the beginning there where, like, her whole school stuff where it's, like, the kids at school and she had the party. But this... This thing... It was what the entire season should have been and should have been leading up to. And she's she's right. She's right that, like... Julie can't keep adding men to her family. Like, how many stepdads? Well, or and, potential stepdads? Well, and not, not only that, she says, maybe for a time, 
we should be a family because literally I came back and my sister died. And, and then, then Julie just pushed her away forever. Then Neil left and then Bullet, who I liked, left. And now Frank is here, who, who let's be clear, she does dislike. And he, and now he's there. So even if she does become attached to him, when's he going to go? leave? <laughs> and she, how many scenes where she was like, hey, do you want to have ice cream with her mom? And her yeah. mom's like, no, my emotions. Yeah, it's this... It's weird how this is shown as Caitlin's storyline, and Julie is Julie, like, "Oh, and, I was a bad mom." Yeah, like it just—it's—it's it's like Julie isn't a character. Like this feels like this should be what you say to a reoccurring mom character to like be like, "Oh, this is what you're doing." He said. Julie's a main character. And Julie had all these dumb storylines where she tricked Kirsten into being friends with her. Where she ran a prostitution service. Whereas it's like they realized this season should have been Julie building her relationship with her daughter. And then we're like, oops. Well, we'll know what it should have been. Because I wonder to reach this point, it should have been Julie failing in her relationship with her daughter more clearly. Mm -hmm. And that being the thing. So that when this point hits, we're like, yeah. Instead, whenever we're in a Julie storyline, this like if we're in a Caitlyn storyline, you get this. When we're, we're in a, a Julie, Julie storyline, story Caitlyn disappears. Yeah, <laughs> which I guess is kind of the point. But just like art films, if you don't do the point well, your point doesn't matter. While this is going on, Taylor is busy crying by a tree, and Ryan is like, "Hey, Taylor, I'm sorry I gave you a dumb gift. Also." I'm sorry I said I love you yesterday and then didn't say it today, but you really freaked me out about Berkeley. Yeah, <laughs> like, you just sort of said, like, we we went from we're dating for three weeks to we're going to be together for, <laughs> which, 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 again, in is this... kind of insane based on the Sadie storyline. Yeah, which, but... in this, which in this episode is a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what Ryan says. This week it matters to me. Look, in this season, they decided to do some stuff with my arc that is very odd and they regressed it without really thinking through the implications or, or the motivations yeah or showing regression and everyone and everyone everyone is treating it like this is how he always is oh, i just want to say one thing i know that when you're writing stuff you don't want to just say everything you want to show and not tell but i feel like if you're going to show or especially regression in in an arc you need somebody to at least mention it's like, oh, yeah, no, he didn't used to be this way. And is this even a regression? Because the thing with Ryan is Ryan always falls too hard. Yes. And he always gives too much of himself over to other people. And he always wants to take care of them and have them with him. I mean, hell, that's... Ac- Wasn't that even a storyline in this season? Well, I mean, and hell, that's even actually the, how the series started. The re- He... He cared a whole lot about his brother. Which is why he got caught yeah. stealing a car. Yeah, like, it, he he does connect with people super, super hard, which means his him, him, them failing him hurts even harder. And that is the point. And wouldn't it have been cool if he had said, Taylor, much like Caitlin, all of these things have happened over the past four years. Yeah. I need to take it slow. Which is weirdly enough why, even though it's 2007 they weren't, or 2008 they weren't really talking about that much, really this should have been about that kind of love language thing where he's like, hey, I do, and I feel really hard. Like, I, that's what I do is I fall super, super hard. That is what, that is what happens. But I don't show it in the way that other people I – mean, obviously, you don't want any human being to say this on a TV show. What are the lines I'm saying right now suck. But they kind <laughs> of implied it earlier and would have been cool if they delved deeper into it. Anyway, in this scene that sucks, yeah. 
um, Taylor does explain that she applied to Berkeley way earlier. And she yeah. probably should have told him, but she was super scared. And drunk. <laughs> and, like, all good. Yeah. Great. Uh, so then uh, <laughs> she, like, leaves as she runs into the real big cake. And they're like, make a wish, Taylor. <laughs> and then she runs off into like, the night for she cannot. Sorry, for a show that <laughs> you, we're trying to figure out if they were doing things subtly. Um, Summer says, Taylor, blow out the candles and you get to make a wish. <laughs> like, Thanks, show. Well, thanks. the sad music plays. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for Summer explaining to us <laughs> what the... What birthdays is. <laughs> so she runs off into the night. Um, yeah. It is the end of the party. Don't worry. Sandy and Kristen will deal with paying the restaurant and doing the things yeah and seth's gonna take the gifts home and ryan's going to wander into the darkness <laughs> yeah yeah so he even asks, where are you gonna go and he goes i don't know he's like, i hope home eventually and he's like ah eventually but first he has to wonder by caitlin yeah and caitlin's like ryan i'm sorry i hate your dad well and in a weirdly cute scene ryan's like that's okay because they look over and it looks like julian frank might be breaking up yeah. Uh, and he says to her, like, he calls her his sister. Which, in a lot of ways, he is. Yeah, I mean, he's been around the lot as she grew up. Um, so that's very, very cute. And for Ryan, I think Ryan's very welcoming to found, found family. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like how the, that is set up to, like, oh, Ryan can't say, he, can't say I love you. But he's willing to say to a sad 15-year-old girl. Who that, just can't have another dad. That he, that he is, that, that she is his sister. Like, yeah, he can't say I love you, but that shows an amazing amount of like em- like empathy and reading situations and being able to say something lovely, just not those words that have probably hurt him a lot in the past. And then Caitlin is like, if you can't open, I mean, what she says is I love you, but what yeah. Caitlin means, because she's 15, yeah. is if you can't open your heart to Taylor, you're a fool. But it's... In the way that Taylor needs. Yeah. Yeah. Which is... I think she does actually, I think, say the words, like, if you can't say, I love you. But to be fair to Caitlin, she's a child. Yeah. But but to be unfair to the show, come on. Exactly. Caitlin's fine, but you show. So let's uh, let's finish up the Seth and Summer storyline with Seth finding, I guess, a different path he wants to take. So he shows Summer the video of her talking to his mom, and she's like, oh, no, I shouldn't say bad things about you to your mom. <laughs> and Seth's like... No, you're right. I do like movies. Well, I like talking about movies. I like judging movies. I should be a movie critic. I'm like, you're already going to be a comic book artist. <laughs> what? I mean, you can do both. Yeah. Kevin I'm... Smith, in some ways, is both. Yeah, no, I mean that. But, but it's weird that they're like, oh, Seth's finally figured out what he wants to do. He's going to be a movie critic. And I'm like, we... What? He's been a comic book artist in season two show. He's a published comic book artist. Like, like He's just like Ryan. We've known what he was going to do for seasons. It's just wild. They treat... And, like, if this had been the entire season, I would be fine with it. If it had been Seth being like, oh, I can't connect to drawing anymore. I don't care about well, comic books. Well, or, or just, like, I feel lost. And I guess maybe we got that somewhat in the episode where he, like... Was super flippant about his and he was being super casual about his and Summer's thing, like them dating with the whole the 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 space one, the aliens one. Oh yeah, yeah. Where but he's, then it ended with him proposing. So yeah, I don't know what they want from Seth, but I guess he figured out he was gonna 
be he's, a movie. He's going to be a critic, and maybe also, maybe that means he's not going to, because if she's going to go out to George, he's going to travel with it, around with her and be a movie critic. Maybe he'll start a blog. Is that how this is going to end for them? In a better scene, Caitlin and Julie talk, and Caitlin's like, Julie, please be a mom to me. And Julie's like, I'm still going to date Frank. And Caitlin's like, that's fine. Can he please not live in our house? <laughs> and then they go to get ice cream. Finally. Yay. Uh, we catch up with Taylor, uh, who is calling a psychic hotline. And watching 16 Candles, which is what she normally does on her birthday. Mm-hmm. But uh, in comes Ryan. And he gives her the real present. And her mind and heart is blown, because yeah. she knows what it means. Yep. Uh, and he says he loves her, and it doesn't matter where they are. And then, boom! Earthquake! Earthquake! So here's where everyone is. Ryan and Taylor are in Taylor's house. Uh, Julie, Which is also Summer's house. It's also Summer's house. Julie and Caitlin are in an ice cream shop. On the pier. Seth and Summer are in the street, or in their car. In, in Ryan's Jeep? Yeah, they're driving to get movies. They're going to go rent a movie to watch. Right. Uh, in the street. Kirsten and Sandy are still at, at the, the restaurant. restaurant. And just to mention, like, I've never been in been in an, in an earthquake. Um, one of the benches fully flipped over. Yes. Well, I mean, I guess it was not locked down, but rather than like, I mean, I don't really know where you're, I would assume an earthquake, you're supposed to go to ground floor, well, but maybe not because then it'll collapse on top of you. I don't know what earthquake well, protocol well, is. I mean, I mean, they, they come, they come back and Kirsten is already, has already fallen like she's been hit and pinned down by something. And so Sandy I, jumps I, on top of her. I just mean, there's a lot of things that are falling over, which makes sense. It's an earthquake. And it's a very, very big earthquake. I just thought it was funny that there's just a bench that seems very gently tipped It's like over. a tornado was like, haha. Yeah. Well, it looks like somehow the bench jumped up, did a full 180 and landed down, and I guess that's possible. I once I don't want to say the earthquake that just jumped out to me that that bench seemed in a weird position versus all the things that were like you know like yeah. like I mean windows shattered because they're rattling and and um, the episode ends with Summer and Seth in the car and Taylor and Ryan in the Summer Roberts house yeah and. For some reason, Taylor's room has a china cabinet in it. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, you could say it's an armoire, but it does definitely have a glass front to it. So the china cabinet almost fa- well falls. It falls. Does it fall on Taylor and Ryan? We don't yeah, know. R- Ryan goes on top of her. Meanwhile, Seth and Summer, a lamppost is falling on them, and they get out of the car, and then it's... Oh, God, another one of Ryan's Jeeps are destroyed. <laughs> that boy cannot keep a car. So, yeah, it ends with the lamppost falling, and the the uh, shine cabinet falling, and then boom. So, earthquakes are bad. We earthquakes don't live in earthquake country. We live in tornado country. Yeah. And for a tornado, you want to go inside with no windows. I mean, with earthquakes, you definitely don't want to be on a higher floor. But, like, you also, I think, don't want to be in a basement because everything might earthquake. Well, they don't have basements in earthquake country. Yeah, I think you want to be on Main first floor? floor under something heavy. Yes, which you... explains why the guys jump on top of the women because something. Yeah. And Ryan and Taylor are trying to get under the bed, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't I'm. I don't know if beds are good because depending on if is the beds made that someone could fall into bed and it'll crush down. Yeah. The reason why you want to be under something heavy, like I think someone said, like pool tables are really good because they're built sturdy. That but you sense. don't want the thing that you're they're underneath 
to fall, fall on, on you. you. I know they, they say the like um, standing in doorways, but that's just because doorways are strong points, right? Because they're the arches; they're meant to not. But that's only in certain buildings where those doorways actually are strong points. Essentially, you want to stand under something that is strong enough that it will not fall over, and if something falls over on it, it won't crush down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad we don't live in earthquake country. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, I, in tornadoes, you want to go under ground yeah <laughs> yeah you want to go underground and you you also can go under things they'll say like a tornado you want to go into like an inside bathroom and go in the bathtub yes yeah yeah you want you want something that that won't pick up essentially if the wind comes so there's our emergency response the only emergency we've <laughs> ever been through is a flood May, maybe i've been through a tornado yeah, while I driving too, but <laughs> Flood, I've, hail, tornadoes. I've told that story on, uh, I think a bunch uh, on some other podcasts I've been on. <laughs> the, the the driving through Saskatchewan and hearing a and just tornadoes, having a tornado, having tornadoes. So what we will say predictions for next week? No one dies. <laughs> someone probably gets injured. Yeah, someone's hospitalized. I'm going to guess it's Kirsten or it's Taylor. I think it's probably Kirsten. I think what's going to happen with Ryan and Taylor is that thing's going to fall and it's going to do exactly what I, what it looked like it's going to do that scene. It lands on the bed. And it keeps them safe. Yep. Well, and it just sort of like, so they're going to crawl out from beneath it. But I think what you're going for earlier is that I think their house is destroyed. Oh, their house is 100% destroyed. It's on the edge of a cliff. We yeah, know that, that house is gone forever. Yeah. Which lets everyone open to a new life. A new future. Do you think Kirsten and Sandy will move to Berkeley and stalk their adopted son? Because I do. <laughs> oh, I think Sandy wants to do that. <laughs> Very much so. Then Kirsten's like, no. No. Now that Neil's house is mostly destroyed, where will all those displaced women live? I think Neil's house will probably be fine. He probably has very good insurance. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. So this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic forgot what Earthquake Protocol was and just went into a bathroom and went into a tub? (laughs) I did, and I'm going to pick the obvious one. And the obvious one is Spitz's wife. There is no logical reason that that woman is what she is. Yeah, that that scene was unnecessary count counter to what we know of, in the, of the show so i have decided something yeah and the something i have decided is a classic aaron weir headcanon all right uh sandy wants to move away he wants to move away so badly so he and spitz set up a plot but then his wife takes it too far she, maybe she was like a high school actress maybe she was in her drama <laughs> club and spitz is like oh no oh no oh no Ooh, she's you're, going into it hard you're too good at this <laughs> We can't come back to the yacht club for like six months. <laughs> also, that old baby thing was just, that is just someone with her baby, <laughs> with a baby. Like that was that was the and mother, no. a mother and her child, and she just yeah. shouted at them. It's like, oh great, like, oh no. And Spitz just improv. Yeah, no, that's her kid. That's, that's our, our kid. nanny. That's our nanny and our. Oh jeez, uh, <laughs> I like that. I think it's a solid head cannon. Yeah. Kevin, did you find a CW moment? I do. And it's not a scene we talked about because it doesn't matter. But it was – so in the morning after uh, Taylor got too drunk, mm-hmm. um, we have this thing where Julie's like, oh, by the way, Taylor, I deliver – I sent out that – gave the letter that you uh, 
uh, made to Berkeley out to the mailman, and then Taylor runs outside. It's like, ah! She goes up to the mailman, and he's, and he's like, well, it's the mail's in the thing. It's federal. And then she just gives him an essay. She gives him a monologue <laughs> yeah. about how important her her agency as a human is? I don't know. It's, it's It became a wall of words, which I think is the point. And he just goes, okay, and he gives the letter back to her. And that's the end of that. That entire scene... That was the end of that. It made some stakes, and then it resolved those stakes. Immediately. That is, Which that, is why I skipped over that entire paragraph well, in my notes. That's why we didn't talk about it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a scene to be like, oh my god, she all, the, her letter was almost... <laughs> mailed. And there's no way she could have been like, actually, I changed my mind. She could have called him. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's... It was a weird moment that didn't mean anything. It was just dramatic. It's like they wanted to play off people who expected the um uh the hijinks. Whole, yeah, uh, well the the idea that like oh they said this Chekhov's gun if she she wrote the letter and then they're going to do this. like no they're not. There's two episodes left. Yeah, there's no time for it. There's no time for Taylor crawling clawing back from those hijinks. Yeah, no. Man, a lot of the stories this episode should have started at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, should have at least been... We know... I mean, I guess they would have go through the Mar- the Marissa thing and then set up all of this. But I maybe don't... we didn't have to waste some time on, like, the New Year's episode with the pregnancy and the... And maybe we didn't need to have the Che spirit journey. <laughs> yeah. The... Maybe we didn't need a lot of Che. Like, he did not... I don't know why he was in so many episodes. The, the thing... And I guess maybe it's more because of the time. Like, keep on, this was 2007, 2008, um, and TV shows were made differently then. That's and true. it was set up to be, like, even at that time, serialized shows weren't weren't seen as positively. Like, if you were a serialized show, they... Um, they, they, they're like, oh, you're all, you're automatically hamstringing yourself and things like that. And these days, people love serialized show. Well, because people love to binge watch. Yeah. Um. So, so even in the OC, which is very serialized, they had to like pretend it's episodic and be like, oh, these two episodes are connected. You know, uh, uh to be continued, if the you will. The th- triad or. Here's the alien episode. Here's the spirit quest episode. Here's the groundhog episode. Yeah, but what it ends up doing is that it ends up being that it's hard to look at a season as one complete story because they're not writing a season as one complete story. They're writing a season as a series of small stories with some stuff in between them. Which means that we really miss some good character journeys. And I mean, the thing is, you can see in Riverdale, for the most part, they are trying to write one complete story throughout the season. Now we've already talked about how they fail at that. They sometimes. fail at that sometimes, but you can see that's what they're trying to do. So, if you have some feelings about how this show can wrap up these loose hanging ends, hit us up on some social media. Um, we're at Podcast Moa, Podcast Moa at Gmail, at Instagram, at Twitter, and please give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice, because we need these when Riverdale comes back. Now, we have two more episodes of The O.C., but before we get into that, Kevin, I think you have some exciting news. Yes, I have a quick plug for myself, uh, for everyone out there. Uh, I recently released the collection of my fantasy adventure novellas, All Gods Fall, Season 1, called Storms at this point. 
at this point. Like, I'm going to change it. <laughs> you could. <laughs> Season one, Storms. Uh, it's it's independently published. It's currently available as an ebook, pretty much on anything. If you search up All God's Fall Season one, you should be able to find it. Uh, there will be a print version of it coming out. My current thing is August 31st. But my uh, my print version that I need to get so I can look through to make sure it's all, you know, formatted correctly hasn't arrived yet. So <laughs> if that <laughs> arrives and there's any glaring problems with it, I'm going to have to push back that print date. Well, our next episode comes out August 31st, so we can let you know. <laughs> so we'll, we'll pick up that and figure out if they're actually on the print. But it's available on ebook on pretty much anything at, at this point. Uh, it's called All Gods Fall. It's a fantasy adventure it's five novellas and one it's a thick book you get a you get a lot of book for your uh for your price so if you like episodes that connect to each other that build on each other and that have a connected storyline you should pick up all god's fall episodes episode, season one season one storm season one part <laughs> part one to five yeah it is a ser- it is serialized it's meant to, you can't read the middle one <laughs> No, you need to read them in order. Read them all. Like good art in today, the year 2020. Did everyone make it through unscathed? What happened to the Cohen house? What will Seth choose, art or movies? Is that the question? For answers to all this and more, join us next time on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A Teen Drama Fancast? 